Plenty of time for Stroud. Directing receivers, flips it to the end zone, caught, touchdown! Marvin Harrison Jr. making a huge impact. Milton taking a shot downfield, he's got a man open, and it's into the arms of Squirrel White. Nix, pump fake, takes off, out of the clear, Bo Nix, there he goes, he won't be caught, he's done it again! Welcome back everybody to the Burning the Red Shirt podcast, I'm your host Zach Tao, and with me is just Chris K. No, no, Andrew. It's been a while since all three of us have been on here, but um, Chris will do for now. So how you doing, Chris? I'm good. Maybe next week. I think next week's episode, we all plan to be together, right? Yeah. Um, I'm good. I'm tired. I'm be dead honest with you. I'm also in Florida where it's really hot and I'm not used to that. So it is a little bit of a fun difference so I can't complain. Well, it's the exact opposite of where I am. Like everything's shut down because it's snow and ice so um we're not prepared for that here in the south so when it happens it's like shuts the whole economy down but yep yep i know that very well (laughs) right all right well um the topics we kind of want to talk about today are kind of the the college fantasy football dead period if you will um after the national championship game the the transfer portal has happened closed for now recruiting is kind of kind of died down um but it's really a time for everybody like people like us to speculate a little more with with our top 10 lists of top 10 quarterbacks receivers running backs um also in mock drafts i know you you participated in one with cff jared and i had a chance to look over it um i should probably get that up on the screen i should have prepped that but um was there anything you kind of thought going into that draft before you knew what pick you had like who were the standout players to you going well on? i think just to kind of touch on the dead period action like this okay. is truly like the beginning of the like beginning of 2023 because you know something like this mock draft you know you forget about who's available especially because there's so many players that could come back mm-hmm. or that are going and it's just so hard to keep up with so you know i i felt like i had a a good time with the drafts and had a, a good grasp on everything. But every now and then I would see a pick and I'd start to question myself. Like what, why did I not have him around this range or like that feels high, that feels low. So it, these things are fun just to get started for sure. And then obviously when the real things begin where the money's on the line, it becomes even better. But man, I think this is like really a time where you just start to put all your, personal rankings together whether it's back of the napkin like Andrew or something more official like I'm going to be trying to do with uh, Canvas to Canton as a part of that CFF team there so you know really getting started with this stuff is it's you don't look silly yet you know if you make a bad pick now it's not perceived as horrible it's just a matter of figuring out what the heck's going on and then in a month you get ridiculed for it if you do it again so right um, I, I didn't participate. I, I try not to participate. I have a long thing I could go on about the the recruiting and that this dead period that um, I'm not as into it as a lot of people are. They're super high on, you know, where these five stars and four stars go. But I've kind of taken a step back and thought about like how many of these five stars, four stars, these high rated recruits actually play where they commit to. 
anymore. Like it's, it feels like to me, like you have so many guys that are get buried on a depth chart. Like I'll just use Alabama, right? You got five-star receiver after receiver going there. And it seems like you, we all go into these dynasty drafts and we just draft all of them and just hope one of them sticks. Right. That's kind of the, the, the game plan. Um, but the other eight that don't stick seem to transfer for the most part. If, if you know, I don't know if you agree with that, but I mean, there's just so much volatility in high yeah. school recruiting, right? Like I think campus to Keaton guys do an awesome job at figuring out high school players and those were rankings yeah. for freshmen. But even then, like, you know, I think a great example is somebody like uh, Bryce Young and DJU, right? Like mm-hmm. we had our dynasty draft. I had the first pick, you had the second one. Mm-hmm. And those were the two consensus consensus picks. I got two years of Bryce Young, who was awesome. And you're going to get four years of really average to bad DJ play, <laughs> right? But like everybody right. considered them consensus. So I think there's a lot of things that'll go into it, right? The volatility of just an 18-year-old, the changes in, in schools and offenses and things like that. And then also the transfer portal being such a big thing now, right? Like those high school guys that are those former four and five stars might have to wait an extra year, maybe till junior year to see some relevance because somebody transferred in above them. Right. So it's a really kind of crazy con like situation year this year, especially in next year as well. We'll see all this crazy uh, transferring going around. And we also, we kind of have to adapt and figure out what does that mean? I saw Jared make a comment in discord that I thought was uh, pretty intelligent, which, you know, when he does something like that, I have to write it down and timestamp it because it doesn't <laughs> happen often. But he's basically just saying, look, like at the end of the day right now, all I'm worrying about is this year's value of the player. Right. I, can't, I can't try to predict what they're going to do the next couple of years. And that's just generally speaking, not the yeah. high schoolers. But it's just so hard. So many moving pieces these days. Yeah, it's it's definitely tough. Like you always have the, the standout freshmen that – that go, it's almost like you would rather see the better landing spot than the actual talent because like, okay, for example, I'll use like Nick Singleton, right? He was kind of a consensus top freshman last year and he didn't have a whole lot to compete with as opposed to like, say if you were to go to Georgia or to Alabama or something like that, where it feels like his talent, yes, while it's exceptional, it feels like the landing spot kind of dictates his value more so than his talent itself. I think, I think landing spots always going to have an edge over for sure. Right. Just the ability to get on the field is always going to matter. But like Singleton is, I think, I mean, he's about as consensus of a future top two round pick as it gets in terms of NFL draft. So a little bit hard to decipher him versus others, but you're right. Like he went to Penn state. Crazy thing is, he was really pretty good, obviously, last year. But you know, he's—I think he's a guy that'll be overdrafted because they're gonna—they're gonna consistently use other backs. And like this, yeah. I think it's Katron Allen, right? He's really a good running back as well. Same year, same class. So, you know, we almost want—I almost want the guy that's not as good, but plays at Arkansas State is going to get 280 touches. Right? You know, like that's what I care about. Not mm-hmm. Arkansas State. Let's say Fresno State. Yeah. Jordan Mims is a great example of it. Where a guy you know is going to get three, probably four years. Yeah, yeah. three, probably four years. He's going to get crazy amount of touches because that's what the offense dictates. So, right. 
stars See, obviously matter. You want that, but it, it, sometimes it's it's better to be a little bit lucky with spots. The funny thing about that now is with the the openness of the transfer portal. You have a guy like let's say like a Jordan Mims. Let's say he balls out his freshman year, follows it up with a really good sophomore season. What are the chances he stays at Fresno now? I mean, I, we, we saw it with Isaiah Nayer, right? And Jacob yeah. Powing. And Jacob yeah. Powing, both of them were probably going to produce at the same level of, of greatness, right? Of awesome CFF performance. Yeah. But that's 100% a possibility. Mm-hmm. It's definitely um, it's definitely what's kind of the trend of what's happening now. These, these guys are going to the, the G5 schools balling out there and it's almost like it's their their they they get recruited in high school they don't get the offers they like they're like all right fine i'll go there ball out and you're going to recruit me again and you're going to see what you missed me out of high school but i think that's cool though i think it's yeah i don't hate that at all i think that's a great move for a player and worst came comes to worst they love their location and they just Mm -hmm. keep staying right but like there's an opportunity for them to better themselves and we as CFF mm-hmm. players get to enjoy their excellence as well. Yeah. And we could talk about this for, for days, but, well, um, and we kind of have, but what I think, like what you said, like it's a good thing that they get to kind of prove themselves at um, a smaller school. But for us, it's, it's good too, because if everybody just went to the power five schools, like there's no talent at the, the G five schools, like then it kind of makes the G fives irrelevant in terms of fantasy, but it kind of just, it makes dynasty league so interesting because, and I, I, this last thing I'll say about that, but like you said, DJU, like I have DJU and for like these last couple of years, I've been just waiting for him to finally like be good. <laughs> and he hasn't, but now he's transferred to Oregon state what does that mean? You know, it's, it's, we got to wait to see, but like it could work out for him to where he's actually a good player or it, he might just not, but I think it it just opens up some more possibilities of what could happen. Yeah, for sure. Cause there's always that opportunity to to transfer somewhere and transfer down uh, or laterally. Right. Right. Let me ask you that Mm -hmm. we can move maybe into this mock that, happens yeah is your is your supplemental draft strategy going to change any after we've seen how many guys are moving around and how there's always kind of like that smaller high school recruit that pops that you just need to throw a flyer at what 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 kind of strategy changes are you coming up with well i kind of made a change last year in terms of my supplemental strategy because when we first started the dynasty league that we're me, you and Andrew are all in. We started and we I just drafted freshmen and I'm like, I'm gonna get these top freshmen and hope that they they pop and they're good. But I've I, I my success rate was not very good in <laughs> picking one picking the freshmen, but also building a team around them to compete year over year. So I figured maybe I should take a different approach. Maybe I should just try to grab the best players that are available and then sprinkle in some talent as I see it. Like, okay, I don't know who to pick in the third round. I'll take this kid. He's a freshman at wherever, right? That's kind of the way I'm going to go about it right now. I think if there's a player on the board that's just too good to pass up, I'm just going to take him. And then 
if I don't have a player like that that jumps out to me, then maybe I take the flyer on the the freshman at Arkansas State, right? Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just throwing right. that out there. But I think that's kind of the strategy I'm going to take. You. I've, I've never had success with supplemental drafts. <laughs> right. It's such I, a, it, it's just not even a science. I don't even want to call it that. Cause it's not, it's like a, I think I'm a little bit more prayer. leaning towards the win now guys. Um, and utilizing resources like campus Canton, other sites that, are, you know, other analysts that mm. talk about, you know, recruits a good bit. Um, and just utilizing some of those resources at the back end, maybe like, you know, if you think about it, right, you could take some really good players early on and you just look for those freshmen, whether that's a guy that starts to do things um, in the during the season or, you know, like Quinshot Judkins is like, he's a one off, right? You're not going to go from what this is like a three star to basically a top five running back. Like that's, right. that's rare, but that happens. Mm-hmm. And you pair that up with a, a senior. Like I remember Brian Cobbs was like a pretty big supplemental round guy, first or second round. Like those are pretty good. Right. Yeah. What if you, I took Trevante citizen with a pick and he tore his knee up right within like the first month or two. So I think it also depends on what you're trying to accomplish, right? Like we should always try to win, but if your team isn't set up to do that, then you know yeah. maybe you go with the high upside type players. So yeah, there's a lot of variables that come into play when when drafting because you could definitely see like Andrew and I in our chat, we just talked about doing a trade, and he's like, "Man, we we just play so differently. Like certain things are of more value to me than they are to him." Right. So, like, I mean, it, it, everybody's got their their strategy, but. All right, let's just go ahead and jump into this mock. I've um, people that are listening can't see the the screen that I've posted, but there yeah, will be a, we, there'll be a YouTube video that you can you can see all this. But yeah, and I, I don't think we need to. We're not going to rattle off every no. individual pick. I would say before we kick into it too deep, check it out from Chasing the Natty, the Jared's podcast, CFF mm-hmm. underscore Jared. We did a all twelve of the different drafters gave their uh, insight and things like that. So that was pretty cool to see, but we don't necessarily have to show and talk about specific rant, you know, all the, the right. great order of it, but the it was a pretty fun exercise for sure. Yeah. There, there'll definitely be about 80 more of these between now and May. So I think, I think this is just kind of the first, this is the first one that's kind of been organized. Um, so of course we'll, we'll talk about it. So you had, the seventh pick I had the seventh like. pick yep. yeah seventh pick which i found it kind of be a no man's land like i think if yeah. you that's really close to that no man's land i think the quarterback position super deep that was like a common um point made by all the different drafters and i think to a, I think there's two levels to that i think there's high-end talent right with caleb williams bo Nix, austin reed drake may yeah. frank harris michael Penix, right these are guys that are like high end, awesome options. But then I, I spoke about it on, on that other podcast. It's like, there are so many players that could be top 30 quarterbacks. Like there are yeah. so many options because there are, I think that it could be so crazy of a difference between QB 15 could be, let's say 29 points a game and QB 
40 could be 27. Like that's a crazy, yeah. but that's just how deep the position feels right now. Right. Like I just looked at the one name that he went in the fifth round of this Joe Milton. He could be a top 10 quarterback. If, I mean, he was drafted QB 10, but yeah. Right, okay. So yeah, perfect. So like he could easily be a top 10 quarterback. Is he as good as Hendon hooker? Probably not, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that he puts up similar numbers in that offense. Um, especially with Bruce McCoy back, right? Like, I mean, they got studs everywhere. I That's know. a great receiving room. Absolutely. Think about this: Sam, uh, Sam Hartman, and Will Rogers were not drafted. So, and this is just nine rounds. This is nine rounds. Yeah. So there was twenty-four <clears throat> quarterbacks taken. So these are always interesting. You can't take too much yeah. uh, away from like strategy of how you would pick because there's nine rounds. There's nine spots you now, have to fill. But yeah, so there's nine spots. So you had to fill two quarterbacks. I'm assuming two quarterbacks, okay. two running backs. Three, three receivers, receivers and a tight end. A tight end and a flex. I think it was okay. something like that. Okay. Uh, but basically, like that means that Rodgers and Hartman are quarterback 25, 26 at best. I mean, right. some of these guys that were being taken at the end are really were really good options. Daquan Finn, Grayson McCall, Dylan Gabriel, Jaden Laura. I find some of the it, last guys. I find it very interesting. And I, we're not going in any order, obviously, but I find it very interesting that Shadir Sanders was taken as high as he was. Do you think that's just know. hype? I think or do you think hype. or you think that that's like we really think he's gonna be a top twenty ish quarterback. Okay, so he was picked like QB twelve? Eleven or twelve? Eleven. Looks like it's eleven. Um, so I don't that's that's there's no way that I would ever pick him close to twelve or right. eleven. But I think for him it's we've seen him start two years at Jackson State and be mm-hmm. productive. Yeah, analysts have looked at video and have said like he looks like a real quarterback. So it's not like he's some super gimmicky guy that can't throw the football or whatever, right? So I think it's really a question of how much like what does this offense actually look like? See, because that's you know, where I'm at. You know, Dion's going to give. What's the concern, right? Is like okay, well, is the guy going to get the ball at the two yard line? Who's going to get the touchdown? You know, Dion's going to give his kid the touchdown. <laughs> you know. That's not even what I would be concerned about. I'm I'm concerned that look, I'm not saying Dion can't coach. I think he's a good coach. I just wonder what that team is gonna look like year one. Is Colorado gonna be a, a seven, eight win team? I don't know. Like that seems because isn't there a non con pretty pretty tough? Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I mean they went I think it's Arizona State. Well, I think it's not a non-con. I guess they open up there. The week zero is Arizona State, I think. Well, they were, and then they got squashed oh, because okay. they talked about it, I think. But I, TCU is one of them, TCU, right? Nebraska, yeah. Colorado State, and that is it. I mean, it's the Pac-12, though, right? Like, they don't yeah. play defense. So, like, there's a couple <clears throat> games that they'll be outmatched, Utah and things like that, where they probably don't do anything. But, like, I think there's a lot of games that could be fairly high-scoring. But yeah. there's a lot of new pieces, right? How is right. that offense going to gel? Actually, mm-hmm. what else? What is the actual offense? Do we know <laughs> right. what kind of offense? Like that matters a ton, right? Like, are they going to be mm-hmm. super passive? Are they going to be just 50 50? You know, things like that are going to matter. And I don't know if anybody has an idea of what that's actually going to look like. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just, I'm not, I don't think that it's a bad gamble. I think I think it's definitely something that you could, if in this case it was his second quarterback, 
So I don't think it was necessarily a big gamble. Obviously, Penix is his quarterback, but then you have Sanders as, as a backup. Like, I probably wouldn't go that route, but who's to say he's not? A star, I mean, it like wouldn't, be, it wouldn't like, be a backup. That's a starter for them. Oh, right? you're starting to. You're starting to. So Okay. But okay. even then, I don't – you're drafting him above some incredible yeah. well, guys. Hartman, so I just like, don't I, I would think, think I would lean person. Hartman, even though he's at Notre Dame. Right, he's Notre Dame, right? I'm a, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame, <clears throat> like just the experience that he has that I know that he can run an offense at the at this level. Not and I don't even want to knock Sanders. Like I think he he is clearly a talented player. Um, but I think I'm gonna run with like a guy like Hartman before I would take him. Yeah, it's definitely not a knock on Sanders. Like I no. think we all agree there's upside and potential, yep. at least from the CFF aspect. But it, the the reason why I don't like it is because there's proven commodities yeah. that are available behind him. Well, like, like look at I Kyle look- McCord. Wouldn't you take your chance with Kyle McCord? If I'm assuming this is redraft, right? This isn't like for dynasty purposes. This is this was just your typical like best ball redraft. Type. Okay, so if you were going to take a quarterback like Kyle McCord at Ohio State, seems like a, a such like a, I know we talked about like he's not going to be C.J. Stroud. But the quarterback in that offense still has a lot of value, regardless. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I think the only problem here is we don't technically know who's going to win the job, That's right? Fair. So I do think it would be McCord, and at that he was picked around QB fifteen. That feels mm-hmm. about perfect, right? Like mm-hmm. he was drafted. I mean, the thing is, right? Like Riley Leonard, Jordan Travis, Curtis Rourke, John Rice Plumley, Michael Pratt, Jalen Daniels, Daquan Finn were all picked after him, amongst others. Grayson McCall. Mcall, they are all proven commodities, yep. zero risk. And that's Hartman where wasn't I think picked. it's a little bit of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hartman wasn't picked, so I think that's where it feels very steep to take Sanders where he's yeah. taken. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move to running backs because that was kind of the first thing I noticed when I looked. When the first thing I saw here was Judkins was the first running back taken, and then you took Rashina Lee at pick seven. Mm-hmm. which after what we saw this year, like what do, what do we think about that? Do you think he just comes back and he's just a the workhorse again? Or do we think that there's some sort of um, committee at play there? I don't think it's a committee. Laybourne's gone. Right. So but I, Ali was pretty yeah. – I mean, he was pretty great when in limited action, 47 carries, 273 yards. Yeah. I don't have any reason to believe why wouldn't he just do what – Khalil or Khalil Laborn just did right like so to me that that's you just going and that's what he did two years ago so you're saying 1500 yards and 16 touchdowns like you wouldn't want that you know right. so like that's where my head was at with the pick and Ali was even better two years ago so last year it was a health injury that or an injury that was what caused um the situation to happen but yeah other, otherwise you know I don't see, I don't know who the backup would be that would overtake yeah. him. I'm not saying that there would be. I'm just, I, I haven't researched it or anything. I'm just wondering if there was some sort of um, reason that maybe he wouldn't be the bell cow there. I think the reason why it was a little bit of a split with Laybourne at the end was it's Rashina Lee. Like he had one of the greatest martial seasons ever. So when he's healthy, you can't really. Yeah. not use them and you don't want him to leave and you don't want him to leave <laughs> and you can't just bench Laybourne, right. right so that's where that kind of murkiness came in but i don't see that being 
not okay. to say you were insinuating that, but <clears throat> I don't see that as a concern for me. Right. All right. So then the third running back was at 10, Braylon Allen. I think that's pretty common that he's going to be up there, one of the top picks. Then Blake Corum, Will Shipley, Travion Henderson, after his bust of a season this year, he was going in the top three of drafts last year. Do we think he rounds back into form, or do you think it's going to be a, just a whoever the hot hand is in that offense? Because that's how I feel. I don't think I would want any of this situation. Right. It's, I think for sure they're best ball draft guys. I don't think mm-hmm. they're by any means a guy that I would want to have uh, in like, I don't want to have to make that decision weekly um, because I do think they have insane upside, but I think they could just not play. They could play limited. You know, they were both banged up all season. So who knows what's to happen. And, you know, I think running backs are pretty deep as well this year. I like a lot of the guys that are, that were picked in the first four rounds. All right. So how do we feel? I go back to Braylon Allen. How do we feel that that offense changes this year with fickle? I mean, it, you would think it would be similar to Cincinnati's, right? Like, right. And I, I like Cincinnati running backs, right? So I don't, I'm not too concerned with it. That's okay. kind of the the tiebreaker for me was basically, I was between the two, and the tiebreaker for me was, uh, Lee is in the proven same style offense, whereas Allen has like technically a little bit of change that's going to potentially impact it, right? Okay, um, then Raheem Sanders was the next one after uh, Henderson, which I think he's pretty solid in that offense. Oh. Like he's going to be, he's going to be a, a pretty good performer. Do um, you have something to say? I was just going to say I like him more than the guys before. Yeah, that's I, I was kind of getting him, but I think too. he's more of like a RB four for me. I think yeah. he's incredible. Uh, yeah, I like Sanders a lot too. Um, Damian Martinez coming next. Like I think he's definitely um, very good. And I think he's, is he a sophomore this year? Like it's in dynasties. Yeah. yeah. In dynasties, he's really good. Um, but I wonder what that offense is going to look like next year. Can't get worse, right? No, I'm not saying it's going to be worse. It's just DJU comes in. Like what do, what does he give them? Like, does he perform to the five-star level that he's, you know, has been touted to be or does he raise that offense or does he hold him back i see him being as good as the guy last year with a li- <laughs> with the upside of just a better offense i don't think he's a guy that's gonna make oregon state throw it 40 times a game which would be a concern and i don't though i think the concern might be here is that he might steal some goal line touchdowns yeah um but i mean martinez is gonna get a lot of work and I mean, he's just very, very good. You yeah. know, like I can, I would think that he's just going to get bigger, stronger, and they would have less of an issue relying on more of him each week. So you, when you said you take Sanders before any of those guys, like all of those guys near the end of the second round with Martinez, Benson, Jermaine Brown, and Nick Singleton, like all of those guys, I would probably take before Travion. I wouldn't take, I mean, I probably Maybe. would take Singleton, but I, I don't know. I would definitely take Trey Benson. Uh, Jermaine Brown will be close. I I don't know if I will want to spend up on to get him. Right? No, no, no. I'm not saying I like I would actually do that. But, but over I would, Travion, I mean, Travion's not even practicing this spring. I, so but I wouldn't take Travion where they took him. Is what I'm saying. Like, if, yeah. if if I'm getting to the end of the second round 
Travion should be there. <laughs> but if somebody drafts him high, that means one of the guys I want is probably there. Oh, so. yeah. I think <clears throat> him and mine Williams will just be a consistent yeah. – uh, curious case each draft to see if not go. two or three other guys that jump in mm-hmm. so um was there any running backs that you thought maybe were underdrafted? so i tweeted about this i think there's a mm-hmm. bunch of guys that i really like that will uh that i think will move up the drafts i think uh to starting with trayshawn ward of kansas state like i thought he was great at florida state just was mm-hmm. a grouped up with a bunch of guys marshawn lloyd probably from usc yeah, I banged the drum on Travis Dye last year. You're not, and Froton said it really, really well on that uh, Chase Illuminati podcast. So go back and listen to him for sure regarding it. But there's no reason why he doesn't go from South Carolina and awesome to USC and awesome. Is he the? Hold on, I got a quick question. Is he the first player to go USC to USC? <laughs> USC East to USC. Is maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. sure that, I'm sure somebody, there's somebody, but. Yeah of relevance at least lately this has yeah. got to be the one right so i love lloyd i think he's awesome yeah. and i've and i've had him on dynasty for like three years now and i'm just waiting i'm I, he's just been sitting there ready to go but that injury last year i was i was hoping for a big season out of him last year and the injury yeah. kinda, there's one be. guy i want to ask you about one guy mm-hmm. otherwise Ladamian well by Webb is a, mm. like it was like a mid fourth round pick here. Yeah, I think he's got second round potential. Absolutely, then, but th- doesn't the doesn't the team scare you though? Like, isn't that kind of what like South Alabama? Not that he can't produce there. It just feels like that team can be so bad that yeah, it might it might he might have to do everything, and then everybody just locks in on him like. Not saying well, they will. I don't I haven't scouted any of these teams. I just know that we get locked in on these guys at these smaller schools, at these G5s, and then they don't have the season we hoped because their team was just awful. I mean, they won a good bit of games last year. They did. They, they won some, 10, right? Like yeah, that. they lose some players for sure. But what I like about him is, one, he has had huge games in the yes. past. Yes. He was always a good talent. He goes to South Alabama and he has games of like 35 and 28 carries, mm-hmm. you know, 13 touchdowns. And he only scored touchdowns, you know, rushing touchdowns and he only scored rushing touchdowns in like six games. Yeah. So I think his upside is huge. And this is like the best ball type option to look yeah. at for sure. Cause of that mm-hmm. one guy, I like that. I'm curious if people will be a little gun shy on because of what happened last year is Aiden Robbins at BYU. Mm. Now, do you have any initial thoughts on him? Uh, BYU is so difficult to, to gauge with a lot of things. Um, Cause what was that this year? They didn't ha- like announce any of their injuries, like going into that like, Puka didn't play like three, three or four weeks in a row. And they were talking about like he oh he was questionable to play and like he wasn't even there there was no consideration that he was going to play. Um, Things were always murky with them. For sure. see, they're always murky, but like how do you know there's not a 28 year old running back coming back from his mission that's going to take that spot? You know, like you don't. <laughs> you, I mean, Brooks Christopher Brooks, all things considered, should have. He just wasn't good. That's why he didn't right. really hold the, the position even when yeah. healthy. Aiden Robbins, though, is yeah. one, he's ginormous, which is awesome. <laughs> Two, like he's he's actually good, I think. He's a thousand yard rusher, 10 touchdowns, like mm-hmm. and that was at UNLV. 
I don't yeah. see how he doesn't get the same type of usage as Algier from two years ago. Yeah, that would be nice for sure. Um, there's a guy I want to talk about. He's right there next to him in this draft, right after him, Frank Gore. I'm trying to figure out, in all honesty, how there's that many running backs picked before him. Like, I just feel like he is going to be the everything guy for Southern Miss until he leaves. And I'm just trying to figure out, like, how many running backs is that in front of him? 15? Yeah, I don't know how to count it. I, my initial thought on him is he's probably like to me, he's pretty accurate in his standings of like where mm-hmm. he was ranked. Maybe I might even take him a little bit later, you know. Well, here's the reason these guys are really, Hol- really Holani's at 36th overall, which I feel like is there's no way I'm touching Holani. That's too high for me as well. Like he shouldn't have even been on this list, if I'm being honest. He shouldn't have even been on this draft board. Because not only did he come back, you still have JNT there, who's a emerging player. And then you have a, another freshman I think they just got this year. It's like a four-star running back. He may not be four. It depends on where you look. But he's another highly touted running back that they got coming in. And he's going to get time. So I'm trying to figure out wh- where the production is going to come from with Holani to justify him being a top 15 running back. That's a good call out, and I agree. I had him close. I have him closer to like running back thirty five ish. Something yeah. like that. And I like Halani. You know me. I'm a I'm a Boise guy, but like I just do not know how you could take Halani over guys like Frank Gore, Jaquindon Jackson, like that whole all those next five or six after him. I would take before him, for sure. Yeah, I think there's some really relevant Mac guys in here mm-hmm. too. Um, one I wanted to to jump on. He was former Mac that went to UCLA. Carson Steele and he was a, a like a juggernaut for them last year like for Ball State right and now he goes to UCLA and Marcus Cooper takes his spot is that just plug and play at Ball State I think or it's plug you... and play at Ball State for yeah. sure so uh, UCLA no no I'm no. not sure what I think of Carson Steele <laughs> right I probably will make my decision too late in the game and won't have enough of them um, I just think there's probably a lot of guys that will fall around him that I really like mm-hmm. that I'd rather have. Yeah. That means I miss out on him. So I think I'm with you there. I, I, I don't know that I would take him. Um, I will be rooting for him, but I, I just <laughs> right. will not likely have much of him at all. Right. Um, <clears throat> I see CJ Donaldson's listed as running back in this. It's interesting. In this, yeah. In this, uh, mock. Yeah, because he's still got tight end eligibility on my on my team, so <laughs> that'll be a consistent conversation until that's changed. Yeah. So, um, any other running backs you wanted to talk about that mm. are or not maybe not on this list that maybe you thought should have been? You know, I didn't. I think those are all the the typicals feel like they're there. I'm trying to yeah. think of like my own personal thoughts I and rankings. I right? into this much either. It's... I just. It's a pretty deep list. Like I would say the guys that weren't picked that are interesting are Donovan Edwards, obviously from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, Harrison Whaley at Wyoming is in- intriguing. Uh, let's see. And then, you know, Nakia Watson at Washington state. It'll be interesting to see what they do in the offense. You know, how pass heavy do they go? So right. Audrey Esteem from Notre Dame wasn't picked. 
So yeah. there's it feels very deep. I like about 40 guys. I, <laughs> I feel like there's about 40 guys that I think are a strong top 40. You know, some of them I won't get any because I'm closer to 40 than people are on like maybe 20. But I right. think it's a it's a good list. I would say receiver is where I have like no idea what to do right now. Right. Okay. Well, then we'll just lead into receiver then because that seems to be which you don't know anything about. So um, obviously Marvin Harrison Jr. was the number one receiver off the board. I think he has to be. Right. Um, Malachi Corley coming back to Western Kentucky. That was a big, big decision. Like like when he when Reed and Corley were in the portal for five minutes, like I think his value dropped. Him and Reed's value both dropped, right? Like the Western Kentucky was kind of the spot they needed to be if they were going to be – uh, consensus fantasy performers. Um, so do you agree that Corley should be that the second receiver? Taking? Yeah, I think he's like, to me, he's definitely the second option. Okay. Um, and then Agbuka is the third receiver, which I can't necessarily disagree. But this is where it feels like a tier. Hits. Yeah. The top two for me are like a clear top two. And, and there's like know, a 10 person second tier. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's really like okay, the general consensus on how to draft receivers just really feels like take guys from Ohio State, <laughs> UTSA, Washington, yeah. and maybe UNC. Texas. Yeah. So like I said, Luca was the third. He's rounded out the first round. Then um, Dunze and Worthy went is the fifth receiver taken. That seems a little high, right? Yeah, I, I don't. I will not have much of him if he's a receiver. I, <laughs> but I just, you might, you might have him in dynasty if you go ahead and trade Andrew. If I push that trade through, from yeah, you and I'm Andrew. not trading for Worthy. You couldn't make me. Uh, <laughs> I have him closer to like fifteen to twenty. I think. Yeah. Um. So I there's guys I definitely like, but like I think there's we need some chips to fall. To, for us to understand exactly where some of these are. I think the two biggest mm. ones are uh, Malik Neighbors from LSU and Sam Wigless from Ohio. Um, mm. Both of them, to me, are like completely dependent on quarterback. Um, right. Wigless, obviously, is awesome as long as they pass the football, which means they need Curtis Rourke to be healthy, which means how long is that rehab on his injury? It feels yeah. like he won't miss but a game or two max. But there's also the risk of if he gets hurt, like Wigless is done. Like he yeah. pretty much was non-existent once he got hurt. And then the other is Neighbors. I think Neighbors is great regardless. Mm-hmm. But I think if it was Nussmeyer at quarterback, he's like a top six or seven receiver for me. But without him, with Jaden Daniels, way more run heavy, especially around the goal line, you're not going to get a ton of easy touchdowns for Neighbors. He's closer to like 15 or 16 or 17 type of thing. Right. Um, and then Tory Horton went at the end of the second round, like after that abysmal season that Colorado State had. We've we've t- discussed it multiple times on the pod, but not to say he's not a great receiver. Like, do you think that you would take him there, Tory Horton? Yeah, I think he's mm-hmm. like he feels super safe, right? Like he yeah. had a great season and he had awful, and such offense. a bad team. Yeah, like he pretty much was the entire passing mm-hmm. offense. So I really like him. And think he's very safe, and there's some upside there to him if he gets any sort of quarterback play. Right. And then 
Franklin going you from UTSA going uh, start the third round. That seems like the surest of sure bets, right? I mean, <laughs> at that spot, the one con is that they have three awesome receivers, but the positive is they literally only they use, use them three all. receivers. So <laughs> you're always going to get some action. You're always going to get something to those three. That offense is going to be incredible because I love Devorian mm-hmm. Barnes. I think Nate from C- uh, Camus again kind of put me on him a little bit at the end of last year to kind of take notice. And mm. he's, I know he's very high on him. Um, and I'm very high on Barnes as well. I think that offense is going to be incredible, especially with a seventh year quarterback leading the way. No, absolutely. For sure. Um, is there another any receivers? I know you talked about squirrel, a few, man. Where do you, where oh, yeah. Do you oh yeah. Squirrel. 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 I saw you take him there. And, and when I saw your team, I, I thought, man, your team, like on paper, it's just kind of blah, right? It's not nothing flashy about your team, but it's kind of fun at the same time. Like squirrel. Dude, this White. is a fun team, man. Yeah. Um, you took Dorian Singer was your first receiver taken in the third round. Um, but squirrel white. I think he has an obvious connection with Joe Milton. And I think if you can just capitalize on that, you, that offense clearly has the volume to support two receivers. Um, yeah. I, I, the question will be, and I think squirrel is safe. Yeah. He's, he's unlike the others, right? Like he's unlike brew. He's unlike mm-hmm. Dante Thornton who transferred in. Who's good. And he's unlike Ramel Ramel Keaton. So mm-hmm. he's very much safe. I love squirrel. And I think he, his speed is incredible. Um, and Bazooka Joe will have no issue. He's already shown <laughs> to have no issue to connect with them. Right. And they give him easy in our pod too. intro, right? Exactly. Right. What a, what a great pod <laughs> intro. Uh, the question is going to be like the whole brew versus Dante Thornton thing. I will probably try to get one of them in every single draft. Cause I think one of them will slip a little bit past. And as yeah. we saw this past year, like if somebody were to get hurt, that next guy slips in really easily. And also mm. a receiver three in the offense is still not a bad uh, offensive player to begin with. Like he's not a bad uh, CFF talent to begin with. So right. I suspect a lot, shockingly, I will have a lot of Tennessee this off season. Yeah. As you should, you know, Brew McCoy will probably be on a lot of your teams too, right? I, if, if you can snag him. I mean, Some people considering where he was taken, which I feel really proud about that someone took him like receiver, let's see, maybe like receiver. Wasn't long after Squirrel. Yeah. I'm very proud of the CFF community with that pick. <laughs> How much we've evolved. I, yeah. I don't know if I'll be taking him at receiver, receiver 22, but I have Squirrel as like a top 10 receiver. That's how confident I am in him. But it'll be yeah. interesting to see what happens with Brew and Dante. And yeah, and after about that fifth round, maybe into the sixth round, you're starting to grab kind of just guys that should be good because of the systems that they're in. Um, but it's more speculation than it is um, just knowing that that talent is going to be at the top. Um, like Sturd event, right? Goes from Cal to UCLA. Could be great, but they've got a lot of transfers in like, what's that? What, what are they going to look like? Like all these new yeah. players and receiver one for UCLA has been good, but it's not been right. Like top six or seven rounds. Right. However, think. receiver one for UCLA, I would much rather have than UC- receiver one for Cal because apparently 
they aren't any good. And like they knew they had Sturdivant and they just couldn't get him the ball enough. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is too, right, is Sturdivant's proven to be a good player, which is always right. obviously nice to have on top right. of the offensive um, style right. for sure. All right. So I, I meant to, I know we talked to quarterbacks already, but I didn't tell them that you took Tyler Shuck as your quarterback. To, in the second round yeah in hindsight i don't love that i think i think he showed potential to be top six seven eight quarterback right that bowl game was mm-hmm. insane my fear it looks like is, you could have waited i could have waited 100 because there wasn't i mean after that the next that was at 18 the next quarterback was taken at 34 and it was klubnik yeah i i suspect that he is going to fall around the fourth or fifth round and mm-hmm. i will like that the problem is right there in the second round, you don't really want to handcuff your second rounder. Right. You know, I think he wins the job. I don't think there's any question about that, but my concern is his style of play is so physical mm-hmm. that he could easily miss multiple games. So that's where the handcuff comes into play. And again, like I said, there's so many quarterbacks um, right. that, that have really good upside. Absolutely. What did you think of Quinn yours being picked QB 10 or nine? Well, I saw that and I thought, well, if he's going to be the QB seven in Texas, he's QB ten overall. That seems <laughs> that seems a little steep, you know. Um, but no, I, that's the thing though. Like he could be an absolute animal and be awesome. He has a little bit of Bryce Young and CJ Stroud to me. Like in that's what I'm saying. Like he he could come out this next season because let's be honest. If he plays or if he finishes the Alabama game, they probably win. Right. I mean, he, in my opinion, has extreme talent, right? Like, I think we all agree with that. But I think his trajectory would, he he would look so different if that win is on his, on his resume. Yeah. I would just think from a CFF perspective, he has to throw a ton of touchdowns for him to be top 10. Oh, top 10. Because even Bryce Young and CJ Stroud were, top 15 where they were not top 15 quarterbacks if it's a yeah. six point league then 100 different um you can justify him being a, a top 15 quarterback but otherwise he provides zero value on the ground almost right. negative value on the ground so that's why i am i have him close to like quarterback 40 mm. i just am not buying it and i'll just let y'all have had it <laughs> no i mean that's fair um where did I you? I one of my surprise questions was going to be, "What did you think of my JJ McCarthy monologue?" I don't know that I agree, but I see why you think that. Like, I, I don't know if that really made sense. You can but see the route. You can. I see, see the, the rationale to it happening, that you, but you it, came to with that. You don't agree and... with that it's actually going to happen, which is totally fine. Right. I mean, like the idea wasn't to produce a a known hot commodity and say that he'll be like, great. Right. I feel so. like we, he is what he is. And I don't know that this, I don't know. I have all the, the ins and outs of what you said, but that he was going to be kind of your, what your surprise um, overachiever I, kind of. Yeah. I essentially said, I think he's a guy that people will pick around quarterback 45 or 50 and he'll be a top 30. He'll be a top 20. Top 20. Yeah. Um, man, I, I tell you, those razor thin margins in the top 15 to 20. I guess that's, that's guys, true. But yeah. I do think that I just, 
I truly believe if they let him, he will produce insanely. Yeah. That's true. It's just a matter of getting a little bit lucky, a yeah. little bit more on his plate. There are some narratives that, in my opinion, make a ton of sense. And also, too, right? Like his last season, he played like five. He actually had like five, four attempts in one rush in week one. Then he played a half in week two. Like there's yeah. routes to him playing. You could put another four to six quarters in his statistics from pretty much from day one, in my opinion, because I don't think Michigan is going to like win 165 to 17 against the non-conference <laughs> schedule like they did last year. So right, I'm. I it's certainly possible that's wrong, but that's just where my spidey senses went to. Mm-hmm. So I was curious if you thought I was crazy or not. So no, I don't think you're crazy. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. Um, but I don't think I would have. I would. I don't know that I put money on it. But. Well, it'll be interesting to see where people take him. Yeah. How how long? I definitely will try to be having a ton of him because I think in the at the very least in best ball situations mm-hmm. he's super low risk. Like he's gonna have a good enough attempts and usage. And they're mm-hmm. going to just score so many points, period, that yeah. worst comes to worst. He's like a really good just in case all hell breaks loose, which is very possible in best ball. Yeah. Um, but isn't that. it kind of – and you guys kind of touched on it a little bit, I think, in that pod. But having both of those running backs back, doesn't that kind of change? Like Potentially. Like Edwards if, is very good in the passing game. Yeah, I guess that's, so, that's, that's and true. He wasn't able to show it because he had a cast on his hand the entire second half of the season. But it, yeah. I can see why people consider that a negative, right? Because that, you know, if you have two great back, running backs, yeah. If Corm didn't come back, then it would be great mm. for Jay. They almost have to find offense. And I don't think that they have to necessarily get cute trying to find offense. They have two running backs that they can lean on. For sure. Why? Why? Why change it too much? If, if it I mean, works last year, I right. think there's a level of they need to elevate their offense. Yeah. They really should have lost to Illinois. They really mm-hmm. should have. I mean, if it wasn't for some sketchy officiating, they probably lose that game. Um, and then you got to think that, like, at Michigan State, it'll be challenging. At mm-hmm. Penn State, it'll be challenging. Wisconsin, you know, against Ohio State, you know, there's. To me, there's like a six or seven games that they 100% will have to play the full game with a little bit of creativity because everybody's going to be shooting for them after two years in a row. Right. All right, let's let's wrap that up. So I, I, I want to get to the rest of this draft here. Um, tight ends, it seems pretty – at the top, it's obviously Bowers, Keithy at, at Utah. And after that, mm-hmm. it's kind of a toss-up, I feel like, of who is going to be – um, taken because you don't have uh, Mayer anymore at Notre Dame. So obviously, Mitchell Evans I see is taken in the seventh round from Notre Dame. But is there a guy that maybe you don't even want to disclose it because you don't want to reveal your secrets? But is there a guy that's maybe that's not on this list, or maybe he's at the bottom of this list and you think he should be drafted higher and will be drafted higher come July and August? Uh, well, I think just to speak on the position, I think Bowers is obviously like that clear, yeah. not even without a doubt, tight end one. Then I kind of put like Keithy and Jatavian Sanders in that like next tier. I think both of them are really good options. I don't know if I would take Keithy two picks after Bowers, like which happened here, but 
Mm-hmm. Then I think there's this kind of like quarterback to me. There's a ton of options that could finish tight end four or tight end 20. Like, right. I like um, RJ Maryland from SMU. I was just about to ask you if you like, I thought probably, Andrew likes Maryland, right? I think, I don't remember his take on it. I know Nate loves him and he's shown out in the last half of last season. Anytime you can get an Iowa tight end, I think you have to try that. And yeah. I don't know. I will probably just try to take the one that gets taken second. Cause I don't know if who really, do we really know if Lash- uh, Luke Lachey is going to be tight end one or Eric all there's going to be that Cade yeah. America connection and all is pretty solid. Um, Ole Miss has pre-scored now, which will be interesting. Mm-hmm. And but they, they also had trig last year and didn't, didn't do anything. Right. Right. So that's some murkiness, but they don't really have any like proven big time receivers. They have a right. bunch of like, solid interesting guys at receiver um mason taylor for lsu was like a really good pick by jared in the final round i would again want nussmeyer to be the quarterback though to really love yeah. that pick compared to liking the pick i like that those that tanner cozy all ball state the ball state guys are both yeah. awesome awesome uh awesome yeah. options yeah I like him. That's that's the guy I would probably if I'm I, I'd probably punt on tight end until it got to him, and that'd be the time I would I would snag one. Um, but overall, like tight end, this seems there's a lot of question marks with tight end, which it seems to be I think every year there's usually like a couple that stand out above the rest. It's and such then you a have, yeah, it's such a weird position and it's really hard to nail down recruiting wise. Yeah, because um, what what is a tight end anymore? Like. Some offenses they they say they have a tight end, but they really don't use a tight end. He's just a big receiver, and sometimes he's a running back, right? Right, or yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, in my bias, I like Colston Loveland from Michigan. Obviously, I mean the mm-hmm. guy is incredible. He has incredible what seems to be raw talent. Mm-hmm. Just a matter of you know how much do they use him like a tight end? Do they use him like a stand up tight end? Is it a mix? AJ Barner is a transfer from Indiana that came in that he's, you know, very productive in his career. So, you know, it, it depends on how they utilize them. They're kind of unproven at receiver for the most so, part. So there was one guy I want to ask you about. He's not, as far as I know, he wasn't drafted. Um, and he was kind of my guy last year. Trey Knox goes to South Carolina and do you think he fills in that void that that offense leaves? Or do you think he's just another guy? I think he's probably just another guy. And the only reason why I say that is they didn't really do enough with what they had last year. Like Stogner was just average at best. And Jaheim Bell is the same thing. Right. Jaheim Bell. Um, yeah. You know, technically there's that other guy, um, Joshua Simon, that's there. I don't love that situation for him, but I, yeah. you know, if you're asking would I hate taking him at the very end of a draft in a best ball, like he feels like a good option because he's shown to have upside. They're yeah. fairly thin at receiving talent. You know, they don't have a ton of guys there. So there's opportunity for him to play and be relied yeah. upon. So I, I think he'll be average. But I, yeah. I don't. I, I don't. I don't think side. he should be on this list. I'm not advocating for, to be here. I'm just wondering what you felt like if maybe um, Bell was the name I was I was looking for, filling the void that Bell 
left. I would say he's like tight end 25 to 30-ish. Okay. And that feels like a good number. Okay. Well, I think that's pretty fair. I'm not going to argue with you on that. <laughs> He'll, he, he will be interesting. These receivers that get turned into tight ends are always a little intriguing. Yeah, for sure. Um, tight end, I, I try to avoid, unless there's just one I really, really, really like. Um, and then Putting I all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Because I just feel like if tight end, especially in uh, our dynasty where it's premium, there's tight end premium, that like you just can kind of grab guys that kind of pop off week to week that say, oh, he's he's now catching six, seven balls a game. I'll just grab him and go from there. Um, I think that's one thing I'm going to try not to do this, this offseason is take the same tight ends. Like, I think I want to vary it. I was so wrong on some of these tight ends that mm-hmm. it just killed me in best balls because I would get zero points. You know, I'd get two points yeah. a week from my tight ends. I think I'm going to try to diversify amongst, you know, instead of four guys, try to do it with seven or eight guys to try to give myself mm-hmm. some some a better shot at not getting duds in every league. So one thing I I noticed about the draft as a whole, there was one, unless unless I'm wrong, one Alabama player taken in that whole I mean, draft with good reason, right? Don't right. No, I'm not saying I, I disagree with that. I just, I think it's interesting how we've gone from take eight Alabama players in the top, you know, hundred picks to, nah, I don't think I want to touch that offense right now. Well, like, because like, you could make a case, like, I think we have to assume until proven, Otherwise, that Milrose the starter, right? I think like some kind of, people lean Simpson, but we have really no idea at this point. I, I just feel like if you're going to take a gamble on some of these guys, like why wouldn't you like Milrow? If he's starting for that team, he's instantly a top thirty quarterback, right? He ran more than Bryce did, and maybe that's yeah. just his his just like a lack of playbook knowledge. And they said here just you know, make something happen. But I think his, his game is more suited to run more so than Bryce was. And I feel like yeah, if, well, if I think, I'm taking him, that wouldn't be a terrible gamble. Yeah. I, I don't, I agree. I think he's like, whoever wins that job is probably in the thirties in terms of yeah. quarterbacks. Uh, but the problem right now for drafting Bama players is like who gets what re- receiver right. value is very tied to it. Mm-hmm. McClellan was the running back that was taken. That's a very good pick. I like uh, Dupree, CJ Dupree from uh, the transfer from Maryland. I think that's a tight end mm-hmm. that is like right there on the cusp of that like 10 yeah. to 15 range. But yeah, it's just a matter of like, what is this offense even going to look like? It's just, it's just, it could be so different if it's uh, Milrow versus. Simpson. So I was secretly praying that Kellen Moore would have been interviewed by Alabama instead of him going to the chargers, which I love it. Like, I think he's going to make Justin Herbert look even better, but I was curious to see if, if he were to go to an Alabama, would that team um, look any different or would they look just more dynamic on offense? We won't ever see, but because they yeah, don't have an OC they, right now, right? Like, aren't they kind of they, still? They're still as of as of recording this. They're OC less. Yeah. So yeah, because Bill O'Brien went to the Patriots, right? Yep. Mm. They all go back to 
They always go back. To Papa Belichick, right? (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's kind of we're going to wrap it up. Um, We talked that mock draft for right on an hour, it looks like. But um, hopefully next week, all three of us can be back. Because I was looking and it's been it's been a while since all three of us run a pod together. I think it's going to happen. Putting it in the atmosphere. Yeah, for sure. And we and I'm not going to, you know, give us any details, but there's we have some guests potentially lined up for some pods coming up. So um, stay tuned for that. And um, I think that's all we got. So next week we'll be back. So see you guys later.